A note to our listeners before we get started. This story contains descriptions of assault and sexual violence, so please be advised. It was around 10 o'clock on a Friday night in Phoenix, Arizona, October 2015. Gianna Anderson was driving home from the pharmacy when she saw red and blue lights were flashing in the rearview mirror. It took her a moment to realize the car the cop was pulling over was hers. Ugh, that's never a good feeling. So she put on her blinker and pulled over. But I said, I'm going to remain calm and I'm just going to go through the process, just explain, see what needs to be done, and hopefully I can go back home four blocks away. As the officer walked up to her side of the car, questions started running through her mind. Was I speeding? Did I miss a stop sign? And when I rolled my window down, probably about halfway, I said, good evening, officer. What's, what, did I do something wrong when I pulled out from the ATM? And the first thing he says to me is, don't play dumb with me. Just like that. And it was at that point, one of the first points of that night that I realized I've lost control. Something's not right here. Gianna, who was 47 at the time, was just a few blocks from home when she got stopped. She thought she was just going to run a quick errand and wasn't even fully dressed, wearing a T-shirt and old sweatpants. She had her small Yorkie Dallas sitting in the passenger seat next to her. She says this officer was so rude and aggressive right off the bat And it made her nervous. Because I'm not used to this kind of cop. He asked me for my driver's license and my registration and insurance. I reached in my my purse and I handed it to him. And then I remembered I had just picked up my mail, literally, as I was leaving that night to go to CVS. And I saw something for motor vehicles because I had just purchased a car probably three months prior. And I said, oh, and I I got this letter. I said, but I didn't get a chance to read all the way through it. Maybe that has something to do with what you're saying is is wrong. Don't play stupid again. You know why I pulled you over. Your plates are suspended. And I said, "Why, why would my plates be suspended? She says the officer walked back to his cruiser to run her license. And he comes back and he says, and by the way, since you really want to play dumb, your driver's license is suspended. And I'm like, excuse me? He was like, I need you to get out of the car. Get out of the car? It was late. She was alone. And she says she wasn't just nervous. Now, she was scared. And I said, I don't feel safe. I'm not really comfortable. I said, could you please call another officer or supervisor? And even before I could get done saying supervisor, I don't need my supervisor. Just get out of the damn car. Fear on so many levels set in that I cannot articulate them. Gianna reached for her cell phone. She said she told him that she would be recording whatever happened next. But just as she was trying to enter the code to unlock her phone, she says the officer grabbed open the door and yanked her out. It was at that time I saw a gentleman going into the McDonald's across the street. And I yelled to him, help me, please help me. Call somebody, call another cop. But there was no help. She dropped her phone and says the officer slammed her up against the car 
then put her in handcuffs. And he said to me, almost with his teeth, like, fringed, how are you going to call the damn police on the police? I just started crying. This season on Verified, we'll take you to Arizona to explore some big questions about police, power, and the law. What happens when it's just your word against the word of a police officer and someone has a history of lying? We'll take a look at how a culture of silence and dishonesty undermines our whole notion of justice and ends up protecting the wrong people. It is about control, but then they take that control too far and they ruin lives. I'm Natasha Del Toro. This is Verified. Full disclosure. I'm an investigative journalist. I've done a lot of stories on the criminal justice system. But Gianna's story caught my attention because it started out as such a normal thing. Getting pulled over for a traffic violation. And I'll admit, I've been in traffic stops before. Who hasn't? Now, usually you just get a ticket. Or if you're lucky, the cop gives you a warning and sends you on your way. But Gianna says that's not what happened here. And the way she tells the story, so many of the details from that night in 2015 are still so clear in her mind. The way the police car tire screeched, what the officer said to her, she could remember verbatim. I remember him holding, his body was still pressed against me, up against the car on my right side. And he was holding on to my right wrist. With his left hand, he uh, went down inside my, um, I had some jogging pants on. And they were pretty old. I had probably had them over 12 years. And so the pockets and everything were just kind of torn on the inside. And he goes down into my pocket. And all I can feel is his hand going down across my side and in between my thighs. So close to where I could feel him rub up against um rub up against my private parts. I did say to him, what the F are you doing? What what are you, what, why, what is, what is this? I just remember being told to shut up in almost a whisper. And then he comes back up and he goes up underneath my t-shirt and starts groping and fondling my left breast. And that was the point that I knew that everything was just totally out of control. As he walked her back to his SUV, Gianna says she got lightheaded. I just started feeling really hot and it just felt like the edges of the truck were just like closing in, closing in. I was like feeling like I couldn't breathe. And I believe that I started hyperventilating. 
and I can feel myself kind of sway. I was starting to see like little freckled, sparkly things. That's when Gianna says she blacked out. She doesn't know how long. But when she woke up, she was still in the back seat of the officer's SUV, in the same parking lot. Except now there were other police and firefighters. Gianna was still faint, nauseous, and she says she was having trouble breathing. Her heart was racing. I'll never forget one EMT kept tapping me on my shoulder going, wake up, Miss Anderson, wake up, stop faking it. You're going to jail anyway. This was an EMT. When I heard what my blood pressure was, I could have stroked out. I could have had a heart attack. Not one person offered to take me to the hospital. The only person who took her anywhere was the officer who arrested her, the one who she says assaulted her. And the only place he took her was jail. Gianna had no criminal record, but after that night, she was charged with resisting arrest and driving with a suspended license. She wasn't going to let this go. Five months later, she filed a formal complaint with the Phoenix Police Department, accusing the officer who arrested her that night of sexual assault. And then she filed a civil suit against the officer and the city. In response to her complaint, the department opened up its own internal investigation into the officer. Okay, today is Tuesday, May 31st. Um, Sergeant Amy Breitzman with Professional Standards Bureau. It is 9.57 p.m. We're at 111 West Monroe Avenue. His name is Anthony Armour. At the time he pulled Gianna over, he'd been a Phoenix cop for about 10 years. He says his shift had just started that evening when he spotted Gianna's car. Um, registration came back suspended for lack of mandatory insurance. I initiated a traffic stop on the vehicle. This is a recording from the internal affairs investigation. So yes, he agrees with Gianna that he pulled her over, that she was driving with a suspended license, that she said she was going to record the stop on her phone, and that he made an arrest and put her in the back of his squad car. But other than those details, his recollection of what happened that night is completely different from Gianna's. In fact, he described the traffic stop as routine and what he called pretty basic stuff until he asked for her license. She said, I'm not going to do that. I, think, um, I don't have to. I don't know rights. Armour says Gianna refused even after he explained to her that she was required by law to show some form of ID. And she said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to give you anything. According to Armour, Gianna reached for her phone and said she was going to record everything, but she refused to get out of the car. After numerous requests, he said she grabbed the steering wheel, so he had to pull her out of the car. And remember that guy at McDonald's, the one that Gianna said she screamed at for help? Armour says the man identified himself as a former police officer and asked Armour if he needed help. And he's like, are you all right? I was like, yeah, you know, she's in custody. I'm cool. He's like, you need me to stick around? I was like, no, it's fine. Armour said he cuffed her, called for a supervisor, and put Gianna in the car. He told investigators her behavior was odd. He used the words disrespectful and indignant. 
He also said she was very melodramatic. Do you have any idea why she was upset with you? After I arrested her or before? Well, let's start with before. Do you have any idea? No idea. I was very confused about her whole thing, with her behavior. And is Frugiana's claims that he physically and sexually abused her? Absolutely not. Um, do you think you used excessive force when you took her into custody? No. And did you touch her in any way sexually when you, after you placed handcuffs on her? No. When he was asked again about the allegations of sexual assault. Okay. Was she being truthful and he made that allegation that he no. touched her breast? Absolutely. No, he replies. Was she being truthful when she said that you inserted your hand through a hole in her pocket? And... No. Again, no. She told the detective that you had brushed your finger, your thumb towards her vaginal area. No. As you're searching pocket, is that a truthful statement by her? Completely untrue. That is completely untrue, he said. Anthony Armour said from the time he stopped Gianna to when he made the arrest, it took about three minutes. Armour denied touching Gianna the way she described. In fact, one thing the investigator circled back to a couple of times was the fact that Armour said he never searched Gianna for weapons or other contraband. In other words, he said he never did a pat-down. You're pretty clear that you, you never searched her. You didn't pat her down. She sat in the back of your car. Is that normal for you, or what, what steps did you take to ensure that she didn't have any kind of item on her that would be contraband or present a hazard to yourself? At that point, unfortunately, I didn't. Oh, but there not being a female officer available. So he said there was no female officer available. Not only that, he said Gianna didn't even have any pockets. I'm not to see that there were no you know, obvious bulges around the waistband. And at that point, I was just kind of, I didn't want to, you know, I, I was not going to touch her just because of her being a female in general. And then just with, I just kind of put her in my car and that would be that. Listening to the tape, Armour's firm in his answers. He said he did everything by the book. When Gianna requested a supervisor, he called for one. When she was having trouble breathing, he called the EMTs. And he requested a female officer. Now, you need to know that police in Phoenix didn't use body cams or dashboard cameras back in 2015 when all this went down. And they never got any of the surveillance footage from nearby businesses. So when Gianna's lawsuit went to trial it pretty much came down to one thing. Her word against the word of police officer Anthony Armour. We'll get into it. Just ahead. On Oops! The Podcast, join me, comedian Julio Gallarotti, as I examine everyday life, the mistakes, the bad decisions, the goals, the jokes, the social engagements, and all things in between. I'm joined every week by producer and personal confidant, Ryan Lynch, various other comedians for witty, candid, and intoxicating conversation. Our listeners love Oops! for sophisticated banter, aka your mom could listen, and many feel like they're in the room with us chopping it up with old pals. You can find every episode of the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. So Dave, um, describe to me, like, what was the, what was the scene like at, in the courtroom the day of Gianna's trial? Like, what do you remember? It's the jury, it's the defense, it's the plaintiff, 
It's me and a couple family members, and that's it. It was late 2020 when Gianna got her day in court, five long years after the incident occurred. The reason it took so long was partly because the city of Phoenix and Anthony Armour had fought Gianna's lawsuit every step of the way. But the day of the trial had finally come. Dave Biscobing was there at the federal courthouse in downtown Phoenix for Gianna's trial. He's an investigative reporter with the local TV station there, ABC 15. It was also the middle of the pandemic, so some of the jurors had to sit in the gallery to maintain social distancing. It is a largely empty courtroom, and it's very surreal because you're looking at the jury box, and you're looking at it less than half full because everybody's so spread out. Tell me what it was like then when Gianna uh, took the stand. Do you remember her testimony? So Gianna was the first person to take the stand. She's sworn in. And I remember that witnesses didn't have to wear masks. So she goes up and there's, there's plexiglass on each side of her, in front of her, and to the left of her where the judge is. So she, she takes off her mask. She's looking out through this plexiglass. And then you see the city's attorneys too, right, who are going to lean and hinge on and focus on every word that she says. And you could tell that that weighed on her the whole time. There was very little physical evidence in this case. The only thing that they had were the sweatpants Gianna wore that night, which she turned over to the police when she made her formal complaint. So a lot hinged on those sweatpants. She said they were old and had holes in the pockets, and that Anthony Armour reached through one of those holes when he assaulted her. At one point when Gianna is on cross-examination, they bring out the pants that she was wearing that night. And so the jurors, they all put on latex purple gloves, right? And so one by one, you're watching the jurors essentially hand each other this gray pair of sweatpants. They're looking at them. They're sliding their hands in and out. They're passing it through. And it takes a while, right? Because each juror is taking their time with it because it's a pretty critical moment. It was a critical moment because Gianna's story had changed. In the courtroom, she said Armour reached into her right pocket. But the defense pointed out that in a previous deposition, she said it was her left pocket. In those pants, we have, you know, these two, these two holes. So that was true. Gianna said, hey, these are pants are old. They had holes in them. He stuck his hand through one of them and used it to essentially touch me on my, on my labia, in my vagina. And the thing, though, is one of the holes wasn't that large. Maybe you could get a tip of the finger through. The other was much larger. So throughout this whole trial, she's been questioned on inconsistencies. Which hand did he use? What order did he grope and fondle you? The larger hole was in the right pants pocket. The defense attorneys accused Gianna of changing her story only after she realized which side the bigger hole was on. There were other details in Gianna's story that changed over the years, whether Armour groped her breast before or after reaching into her pocket, what color shirt she was wearing at the time. And these details were what the city's attorneys seized on. Dave says it was grueling for Gianna. Which hand? Which order? Which color? How did you feel here then? Why didn't you say this at this moment? Two years later, why did you say this here? Why did you say this in this video? Why did you say this here on the stand? I imagine it would be a very difficult thing to go up against a cop in a court of law and say that he sexually assaulted her um, and describe what happened. I mean, I cannot imagine that that was an easy thing for her to go through. You know, and just all of this time and all of those questions and then just seeing her 
almost trying to process that all in her own mind as she's trying to actively answer questions in this make or break moment. It was, it was, it was tense. You could tell that she was, she was feeling it. And, and I do remember when she got down off the stand that you could tell that she, she felt, you could tell she felt defeated. I mean, I don't think she left, walked off the stand, sat back down feeling like it was a win. Like she finally got to tell her side of the story. Then, on the third day of the trial, Anthony Armour was sworn in to testify. He's wearing um, a, a modern-fitting suit. He's dressed well. He looks professional. Um, and you can't get inside his mind to know if he's nervous or not, but he does not project that. Okay, This is someone who has testified many times before in multiple criminal trials uh, over his career. The police department, police officers... They are trained how to testify. Like, this is something they go through. The county attorney's office in Arizona, in Maricopa County, where this happened, they train officers how to testify. They're just not taking the stand once in their lives, like most people they're up against. Now, to be clear, that's true for most police officers. An arresting officer has to show up in court. It's actually part of their job description. On the stand, Armour kept his answers short and to the point. He denied touching Gianna inappropriately says he never even did a pat-down. But there were inconsistencies in his story, too. I mean, at one point, he said at trial, and then also in his internal affairs investigation, I think the pants, I remember the pants being pink or fuchsia. He even said, is that a real color? Is that a color? So he had this recollection of the pants being pink. They were not pink. So he was wrong about that. So but one side was was grilled, questioned much more deeply and aggressively than the other side. During cross-examination, the attorney for Armour and the city drilled into Gianna about the inconsistencies in her story. She spent nearly three hours facing questions. Gianna's attorney's cross-examination of Armour took only 40 minutes, and he was never asked about the color of the pants or whether or not there were pockets. After three days of testimony, it was time for the two sides to wrap up, their last chance to convince the jury with their best argument. The city's attorneys said Gianna lied about Anthony Armour, that she kept changing her story, and that her ultimate goal was to sue this police officer for a big settlement. Dave leaned in to see what would happen next. So I'm watching these closing statements, these closing arguments, and... You get to Gianna's attorneys trying to lay out the best case that they can and, and the city trying to paint her as a, as a money-seeking liar. At that moment, during those closing statements, it, it becomes too much for Gianna's father. Um, he's sitting to my right. He begins to cry. Also sitting in front of me, a few rows up, is the daughter, Gianna's daughter. And she's visibly rocking. She's upset and she's jumpy. And you could tell that just this is, it's just been all so much for them. They've had to watch their, their mom, their daughter go through all of this. On day four, the judge sent the jury off to deliberate. But it didn't take them long to reach a verdict, just a few hours on a Friday afternoon. The jurors filed back into the courtroom. The judge asked them a series of questions. They said there wasn't enough evidence that the officer used excessive force. 
there wasn't enough evidence that he sexually assaulted Gianna. And that was it. Trial over. Gianna lost her case. Now, it's not entirely surprising when you think about what the jury actually heard. Again, there was no video evidence and very little physical evidence. It was a cop's word against the woman he pulled over and arrested. On the stand, he's a, he's a trained, polished witness. He knows how to testify. He obviously has been trained by the state. He's done it many times before. If you're a juror and you don't know about his past, you're going to watch him and you're going to think, yeah, this guy's telling the truth. That's a police officer. He's a Boy Scout. He's not going to lie to me. So he, he comes across as very polished. He's got very clean answers to everything. He's an accomplished and experienced witness. If you're a juror, you don't know about his past. But Dave did. There's a reason why Dave Biscoping was the only reporter in that courtroom listening to a five-year-old case. He'd been following the career of Anthony Armour for a while. He knew that had this been a criminal case and not a civil case, details about Armour's history would have made him exactly the kind of cop who would never be asked to take the stand. And as Dave sat in that courtroom and looked around, he recognized someone else who knew a lot about Armour's past. David found her name digging through Gianna's case file, and Gianna's lawyers wanted her to take the stand. She was a Phoenix police officer, and she had her own story to tell, one that the judge ruled wouldn't be allowed into this trial. He got a little bit more aggressive in my face and said, try this. And I said, no, I'm good. And he got even closer, and through his teeth, he said, nobody says no to me, try it and, like, shoved it in my face. So five, six years before Gianna Anderson, there's a Phoenix police officer, a woman on the force, and that's just, it changes the complexity, the, the whole way that you end up looking at this story, looking at this officer. That's next time. And coming up this season on Verified. If you're a juror and you don't know about his past, you're going to think, he's not going to lie to me. And so I just point blank asked him, do you believe me? And he said, I believe that you believe you were raped. I kind of felt trapped. It's my word against a police officer, and who are people going to believe? When you have an officer who's willing to lie to get a conviction, the entire system breaks down. I'm Natasha Del Toro. This is Verified. Full disclosure. <laughs> <laughs> 